Hello everyone and welcome to the Sunday special. This is the JRPG Report and uh, this is our very, very special spoiler cast episode for Trails of Cold Steel 4. Uh, That is... This is a spoiler cast, so if you have not played not only this game, but pretty much at least all four of the Cold Steel games, if not all nine mainline titles, you will want to stop listening immediately. You're about to get everything ruined. So if you have played everything, please continue to listen as we welcome in Jake to the podcast. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I am doing quite well. Uh, we've been planning this one for a while. You had to uh, you had to wait a few months for me to finally get done my playthrough so we could have this conversation. Sorry about the, the little delay. You're a little bit quicker gamer than I am. Hey, no worries, man. It's uh, definitely worth taking your time to get through this one. And it takes a long time. I think you said you were about 120 hours. I think I was over 130 hours. This was a, This was the longest one, wasn't it? Um, I think initially on my first playthrough, I might've spent a little longer in cold steel three. Okay. But I mean, yeah, you know, give or take an hour here, hour there. Yeah. They they were about, they were about the same. Um, if not, uh, I mean, definitely both of them longer than the first two. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's not like the first two were short games. Uh, they, they, they kind of feel like they've gotten longer each title in the series maybe a little bit uh not counting like um sky three was maybe a little shorter than the others if i recall people tell me yeah i don't know i i I wasn't able to play uh sky the third but uh yeah i mean the cold seal games definitely felt longer than the the sky games Uh, Mm -hmm. no none of which are complaints if the if you love the game (laughs) the longer it takes the better you know Oh, absolutely! I like. I don't think this guy. Uh, we we played both the first two of those. I don't think those should have been any different. Those were like the perfect length, and and same with the Cold Steel. I think, I feel like I felt Part Three dragged just a little bit uh, longer than I would liked it, but still, it was it was amazing. And I mean, the story that these things are telling are amazing. Um, how what what would you think are your overall just opinions on the game. You, you know where I stand on it. As in the previous podcast, I said it was my game of the year. Is that also the way you feel, or would you give it to Remake? Well, I definitely would not give it to Remake. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was a solid... Remake was a solid game as far as games go. But, you know, I would have preferred, uh, you know, a turn-based one where they didn't change and screw up the story. <laughs> That would have been awful nice, yeah. You know, that's that's Nomura for you. you know? Yeah, he can't help I, you himself. Know, I, was, I was watching your live stream yesterday for the original FF7, and, uh, you know, I wasn't sure if, if everybody who was in the chat had played through Remake, but I, so I didn't want to ask the question, but I felt like asking, hey, is this the version where Zack is dead when the game starts or the version where he's alive? That would have you know, been a pretty that I'm glad you kind of didn't say that, but I feel like everybody that was there they didn't say they hadn't. So yeah, nobody nobody responded but you. So I didn't want to say it, but that's that that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Zach's immortal; he can never die. He's 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 you there, know, <laughs> except when oh, he does. Yeah, I, I mean, remake was a good game. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, this, Cold Steel Four was definitely uh, the the best one I'd played all year. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I, I mean, obviously if you don't already love trails, not playing cold steel for no, probably shouldn't, even, shouldn't even try, you know, you're just doing yourself a disservice by starting. I mean, we all know the high barrier to entry with, with the trail series. Mm-hmm. But if you're here playing cold steel Four, you're already through that barrier. So, mm. You know, I don't even think it's right to criticize the, the Trails game for that anymore. No, of course not. And they're, I mean, so I wish they were. Yeah, go ahead. If you haven't made it through the barrier by now, then you're you're starting in the wrong place. And as we've said before, I wish that barrier was easier to break through. That it was more accessible to players. At least you know, I, I I've not played Crossbell yet. But, uh, you know, having played Trails in the Sky made my enjoyment 
of this game even more. So I feel like you don't have to play those ones, but man, you sure did gain a lot. And I know people who have played all of them who have gained even more than I have. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I wish some of the older games were on uh, easier to access platforms. Um, so, you know, when I say barrier to entry, I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of games to go through before this, assuming you have the means to play them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, myself, I haven't played Sky the Third. I haven't played the Crossbell games. Uh, I, I've watched YouTube videos and read story summaries of what happened. So you know, I was able to to know what was going on when, when Lloyd and his crew came in and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know... If you haven't at least played Cold Steel one through three, starting here is is not where you want to start. So I don't even think it's fair to criticize barrier to entry at this point. No, absolutely. Game. I, I you think don't listen that's... to this podcast if you haven't played at least the first three. Yeah, uh, you shouldn't. You should not be. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was the my biggest beef with. I mean, it's kind of like you know, if you were if you hadn't played all the games listed as podcasts, it's the same as what Switch is doing with only releasing three and then four in the future and not the first two. I think that's just really weird and, a, and kind of a dumb move on their part. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get them eventually. Well, yeah. It, it, I, but why? <laughs> why are they not already out? That's what I'm kind of saying. That's kind of silly. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, part of it might be just because they were localized by a different company. Oh, yeah, it was X-Seed, yeah. X-Seed has both uh, 1 and 2 on the Vita, which is where I played them for the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe it has something to do with NIS America's ability to put them out on Switch. You know, I mean, right away, like, you know, they just started the Trail series with Cold Steel 3. So, I, I mean, I'd rather have them working on Cold Steel 3, 4, and Hajimari than wasting time going back and putting uh, 1 and 2 on the Switch. Well, that's for sure. I was I was more mean for for poor Switch owners. If that's your only system and your only means of playing, that's kind of that's kind of a raw deal. But it is what yeah, it is, and I think you true. raise a valid point. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with uh, if they ever bring Crossbell over here. Yeah. Um, what company they decide to use to localize it, I think we'll uh, tip their tip Falcom's hand on on what uh, they're going to do moving forward. That'll certainly be interesting. So let's get let's get into it. Unless uh, you had anything else you wanted to kind of mention beforehand, we're going to try to break it down, kind of actually play it through chronologically uh, by act and by events and, and highlight those major things and kind of just give a, a little uh, recap of it all in, in terms of things that we want to talk about. And I think you uh, you wrote. I'll go ahead and say it, you wrote the outline for this, so I'm going to be following your lead on it and. The, the first thing is uh, something you've not really done in this series, unless I guess some people might choose not to, but fighting without Reen. It's kind of a crazy experience. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I wasn't obviously seeing what happened at the end of Cold Steel 3. Uh, it's no surprise that you were going to start this game without him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I thought Yuna did a great job taking over the lead. Yeah the way they kind of broke down that first act where uh you know you got uh you, you know you had kurt and altina with you the whole time but then uh you know ash came back and then muse came back and then they were switching out you know various old class seven members throughout the act um i think yuna was a good uh step-in protagonist for that first act absolutely i i feel like three is almost her story in a lot of ways of, of coming into her strength as a character and i think they were building up for her to take that next step and she kind of does it all throughout part four not just at the beginning um taking a major role in things yeah i mean you know knowing falcom yeah they probably had that planned <laughs> well in advance <laughs> oh definitely um, but so did you like fighting without Reen or was it like, oh man, I can't wait till I get this guy back. So, I mean, this was my first playthrough. I played it on normal. Um, and I mean, it's been a while since I played a trails game, you know, with it being my first playthrough mm-hmm. I've replayed cold steel one, two and three, 
you know, a second time, um, you know, in, in new game plus mode. Um, so, you know, the, the difficulty, I, I felt the difficulty was there. It, uh, some of the mechanics that they nerfed, um, I, I, you know, had trouble with, uh, you know, getting everything together and, and building up the party that there were some parts in act one that were a lot more challenging than I expected. Oh, absolutely. I mean, not, not counting the very beginning with, um, you know, <laughs> the heroes of, of, oh, I always say it wrong. La, la barrel, la, la Ah, Oh, a liberal and crossbell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not no, counting I, that. I didn't, I didn't mean the prologue. No, I, yeah. I meant... So that, that part was, was very easy, but yeah, getting back into it and not having, I guess that stalwart of, of rain and like, I don't, I feel like I always did the exact same thing with Reen, so it's not very fun to play with. He's just necessary to play with. So not having him as as just that every down, you know, the cancel attacks and all the things that he does with all his crafts, and you get you take him for granted when you all of a sudden you don't have him and you've got you know like I I would never use Altina in my party. That's just not somebody I really want to have in there. And now you're forced to. It makes things a lot more difficult. Yeah, I think, you know, you remember the break mechanic in Cold Steel 3? Yeah. I think they, they definitely really tried to nerf that coming into Cold Steel 4. Yes. Honestly, I think they nerfed it a little too hard, especially for Act 1. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Yuna's primary build is to break the enemies, right? Right, exactly. So, but they nerfed that mechanic so hard that at the beginning of the game, you know, throughout the first act, there were bosses where I would spend, you know, a dozen rounds breaking their um, break cage, mm -hmm. only to, to break them right before their turn. Yes. The delay <laughs> so small, they recovered from break immediately, got another turn, and attacked. Yes, so it, was, it was harsh. It made the whole thing seem like a waste. So I, it wasn't until I abandoned the strategy of trying to break enemies that I was really able to get through the majority of Act 1. I, I, I had to abandon that. I stopped using the Brave Orders that increased break damage and just mm -hmm. went straight for regular damage um, because I felt the way that the break mechanic was nerfed just wasn't working. Um, especially that early in the game, because you know you don't have access to all the other orders that speed you up and mm -hmm. you know allow you to really get in there and and hit them while they're broken, because you just don't have access to that stuff yet. No, you you raise a great point, and I, I feel like in three, yeah, they definitely wanted you to break things. That was your key to success. I kind of resisted playing that way because I didn't. I guess I didn't like it. And so I think maybe at the beginning of four, I didn't have as much of a problem. And I, I, yeah, I quickly abandoned any hopes of trying to break enemies and just, you know, you break away. There's nothing more frustrating, as you say, is that you break them, it's their turn. And unless you were able to quickly spam an S-Craft or something, they were just right back to normal and hitting you. That was, all oh, that was infuriating. Yeah, I, I mean, it happened. I mean, there were times where it happened. I, I I actually did legit get wiped once during mm -hmm. a boss fight. Um, <laughs> I had to go back and change the strategy. I mean, once we got Reen back in the party, I cruised through the rest of the game, no problem. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you're a little farther along. You get, you know, more more of an inventory built up by that point. The first act for me was definitely the toughest. It was the toughest, and it had the... Most difficult fight. I mean, I'm sure there's some special fights that are more or can be as challenging, but we talked about the difficulties of your party at that point. No ring, and then you get to fight Osborne and Lillian. I mean, good grief, that was challenging. Uh, so the the fight with uh, Osborne and Lillian, you, you, there's a bonus AP condition. Yeah, that's what I felt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a completionist, so I really wanted to get all the AP from that fight. Uh huh. You and had to. Got, yeah, you've got to knock them both under 50% health or whatever the threshold was at the exact same time, or the battle ends. That's the key. I, at the same perfect. time. Yeah. 
Because, I, I, I mean, I was able to burst one down, no problem. I, I mean, I never got wiped out in the fight, but I had to reset it, I think, about four times. Okay. Uh, before I was able to knock them both under at the exact same time. What made that so difficult was right before that, you have to fight Reen. <laughs> yes. And that fight takes a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, saving and reloading, like you can skip through the cutscenes, but you still got to go through the fight with Reen, which wasn't easy either. No. And, I mean, yeah. I, I, I talked with a lot of people, including yourself and others, who had to do the same thing. They wanted that, you know, completionist. You got to get every single AP point in order to do that, and that was part of it. And they had to restart it three and four times. And uh, so as I was live streaming, some people were kind of telling me that. I'm like, you know what? That doesn't matter to me because I know I'm, A, I knew I was going to mess up something along the ways and miss it anyway. And I was not going to put myself through the misery of an already extremely difficult fight, making it somehow even more difficult because their attacks, man, they just hit you so hard. You could be wiped out instantly in no no time at all. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, <laughs> I tried to fight three times in one night, and I eventually said, "Okay, I, you know, it's getting too late in the day. Even if I succeed on my next fight, I, you know, it's going to be well after midnight by the time I get done with all the cutscenes afterward." <laughs> so yeah, I had, to, I had to quit and come back the next day before I eventually was able to get it. It was, yeah, you know, it was so early in the game, and you know, people were telling me this is the hardest fight that you're going to face. I'm like, "Wow." That's really saying something, but it's more the limitations of your party necessary than in addition to how difficult it is. Like if you fight that fight at the end of the game, it's not going to be nearly as challenging because you've got the game broken by that point. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that ends, I mean, that's such a climatic ending to act one. Um, you get out of there and then kind of moving into more of act two, uh, you've got to hear complaints about padding. <laughs> Why don't you so elaborate on I, that a little bit? Before we even got the game, there were reviews out by, you know, content creators who had early access to the game. Mm -hmm. People were saying that act two felt very padded. Yeah. I disagree. I do too. I thought it, I thought it was great. I thought having Reen go back to all these places and and listen to you know to see everybody's reaction. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I mean, if anything, I thought I felt there was more padding in Act One, and you had to take Eunice party around to set up those, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever you call them, the, the the nail in the ground, triangulate Reen's position. Oh uh, yeah, there was like well, there were several of those, and they took forever. <laughs> Yeah, the mystical stakes you had to drive into the ground. I thought felt there was not that I minded it. I still enjoyed Act One. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I didn't think there was. I didn't think there was Act Two didn't feel padded to me at all. I, I mean, I really enjoy going back to every uh, location, talking to everybody. I mean, you know, a lot of these NPCs we've been playing with for four games now. So yeah, at you know, least four. Some of them more than that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have also seen that complaint from several people as they pay through that act two was their, you know, maybe not the end of it, but throughout the game, they, or they didn't enjoy the majority of act two. And I didn't, I didn't see any of that. I quite liked that quite. So I don't, I don't get that at all. Yeah, I had a great time with that too. I mean, you know, getting Reen back, being able to go through even some of the the dungeons you had to go through in Act One, you could go back and open the trial chests, and mm -hmm. you, know, you could finally put together, um, for the most part, not completely, but you could put together the party you wanted, um, and you know, it, it just felt like, you know, through Cold Steel Three, and now maybe a third of the way through Cold Steel Four, it just feels like everything's starting to come together. Um, before it, you know, heads into the big finale. Exactly. So you, you, you finally get both class sevens together. What was your, if you could pick just from those two groups, what was your go-to party? Of how many people? Uh, let's, let's just say four, uh, just your, your main combatants. So in this game, I used Reen, Fee, Laura for my main three, uh, mm -hmm. at all times. Yes. Fourth one kind of rotated. In the end, I went with Crow, but in Act Two, I don't, I, I don't remember exactly where uh, 
he joined the party. But he wasn't available for all of Act 2. So no, it, that one kind of switched out between Yuna and Kurt. Useless. Okay. okay. But once you got Crow, once you got Crow, I enjoyed using him a lot in this game, much more than I did in Cold Steel 1. <laughs> I never used him in in the previous in Cold Steel One, and I think I guess it would have been after the robbery uh, that you got to use him. And it was he was one of those guys that I didn't use at first, and then he gets forced into your party a couple times, and I used him. I was like, oh, by the end yeah, of the game, fight. he was a part of my main two. seven or whatever. Yeah, fighting with his dual saber I, that, that was so much fun. <laughs> uh, he yeah, I never used him in Cold Steel One. Didn't like him. Um, and yeah, this game, he was in, he, he was one of the main four by the end of the game. That's I mean, awesome. He was very balanced, uh, but balanced strong in both magic and, and physical. Usually you have to sacrifice one for the other, but he was a very strong overall character that I was, I kind of felt bad. I was sad at him the whole time, but, um, yeah, and, he had, and he had speed too, which, yes. you know, speed, speed is the stat that you can use to break the game the most. Mm-hmm. That, that, it's really what determines, uh, you know, the the potential you can get out of a character. Because if they have the natural speed, you can pretty much build them into anything you want. Yes, absolutely. So, and I finally got on the fee train. Um, it started a little bit with last game, and I finally got her in there. To your chagrin that I hadn't been using their entire series, I'm sure. But th- there's no bigger breaking of the game than than her. It's ridiculous. Yeah, she- yeah, she's great. I I felt bad a little bit with her evasion and, and counterattacking for critical, but then I was like, you know what? I don't feel bad at all because that's the, they set this thing up to work like that. It's not my fault. Yeah. Hey, that's that's what you get for picking on the short girl. <laughs> I think at the end of the game, I had her evasion at 116 or 112%. It was insane. Yeah, I, I see. I I didn't really because um, I didn't have a, a dedicated magic user in my main party. Okay. So I kind of had everybody with. Uh, the way I typically build everybody is to get their speed as high as possible, uh, so I can minimize the action delay between turns. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I, I didn't throw every single evasion quartz on fee that I could, um, but I got her speed up obviously higher than everybody else. Um, mm. I mean, she still had almost 80% evasion for me. Um, <laughs> Which is practically all of it, so they're never going to hit yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. I, I love this one in particular because I think you could talk to 10 different people and they'd have 10 different parties. Um, you went, you know, I used to probably play more like your party set up. You know, Laura was... Always in there, of course, and Crow made his way in there. But, you know, I chose to go with two magic people, actually. So I'd have Fee out front okay. where nobody could hit her. I'd have Rain with his S-Crafts and just hitting people from afar with the Slash. And then I had, you know, Muse and, and Emma just destroying people with high-level magic with the EP recharge. I never ran, I never ran out of magic. So it was... I just thought I felt was such a fun way for me to play and it fit my play style. But yeah, anybody could play any number of different ways. And that's just with class seven. You're not even talking about adding (laughs) some really strong other heroes to it. Yeah. I I mean, that's the great thing about having this large cast. Uh, One of the other um, complaints that I saw was it felt like, Oh, the cast is so big. Everyone has to get their two cents in. And it drags down the cutscenes. Again, I didn't feel that way at all. I didn't feel that there were characters who were forced into the scenes that shouldn't have been there. Um, I think I think it played very well personally. Um, but one of the benefits of having a large cast is you can put together pretty much any party you can think of, build them any way you want. Um, so yeah, it, like like you said, you have two uh, cannons in the back firing off magic and uh, <laughs> be out in front um, dodging all the hits. That's know if that's carries you through the game then and there you go you you're getting to play with your favorites i mean that's that's the best part about having the cast it, it really was and my you know my favorite part was laura was my strongest character on the bench 
So if anything should go awry, I've got a super heavy hitter with her and then with Crow and um, well, anybody else at that point. But uh, I felt like my bench was as strong as my starters, you know, to, yeah. to make a kind of a sports analogy there um, and could come in yeah, at I any kept, point in time. Nooses on my bench because he has that craft where he can put up complete immunity to the entire party. Mm. I'm assuming they're not too spaced out. Oh, yes. I had a panic button on that. <laughs> if it was all bad, I could swap him in there. Everybody gets this wall of immunity, and there you go. Yeah, that's a pretty good backup plan. <laughs> yeah. That's not, not bad. I mean, there were times where, you know, I think like one of the fights with McBurn in particular, he was just wiping the floor with everybody. I had... Uh, you know, three dead characters on the field, one person <laughs> left, swapped him for Eustace, had him put up the immunity, and then he, he was able to get my entire party back into shape before uh, I sent him back to the bench. That's awesome. I, another, along those same lines, if I did have the choice, I'd put Elliot in there because of his S-Craft that could revive everybody instantly in that situation. Yeah, that's a, that's another good option. Like I said, yeah. you, you can, you've got all these options, you can... <laughs> Pretty much build it however you want. Yeah. The only complaint I would have, and you touched on it momentarily with, with mandatory people, that was only at the very end where you had to have a couple people and they had to be like, you know, in your fighting lineup. I didn't love that part because the first thing you do is switch them out. Like, <laughs> but other than that, I really didn't have a complaint right. with the party. Yeah, I mean, I think they did that pretty well. Like, it makes sense from a story perspective that, you know, certain characters are fighting each other. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, from a narrative perspective, it makes sense that they force them to be in there. The good part about it is, yeah, you have a bench of, of characters. You can swap them in and then use whoever you want as soon as their first turn comes. So, yeah. Even though you had to bring them with you, you still could get away with using whoever you wanted for the majority of the Absolutely. So let's let's go to. I I think this was my favorite moment, and I'd say most people would agree with with the big mass gathering of every hero you've you know. Some people have played in every one of these nine games together for one big epic meetup. Did it live up to the hype for you? It did. I I I loved it. Everybody meets up on the panic rule towards the end of Act Two. Um. You know, just to see all these people meeting up for the first time or seeing characters reunite uh, where we haven't seen them have scenes with each other, some of them since all the way back in the Sky Arc. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it was great. I spent so much time talking to every single NPC between every event. Um, it, it was a blast. It really was. <laughs> it was a huge payoff. And, and it lived up to, to what you were hoping for uh, through eight and a half games by this it, point. It was. And I think up to that point, the voice acting was pretty hit or miss. And then it's like, oh, here's where they spent all the budget was voice acting a lot of these, uh, that scene and then getting, yeah, you talked to absolutely everybody you've ever met. And it was like all the little groups of people together. And it's like, oh, this is an interesting group. Let's go see what they have to say multiple times. And, Oh man, yeah, it was I, it was wonderful. And you know, it's similar to uh, in Cold Steel Three, and they're having the uh, gathering in the ballroom mm -hmm. before the Emperor gets shot. <laughs> Spoiler! Yeah, whoa! Every, yeah, right. And every time, every time an event happened, the groups changed. Yes. So it, it's like just like in Cold Steel Three. Every time an event. Uh, you know, would happen, you'd go back around and see, oh, okay, this, you know, uh, so, okay, Yuna's talking to this group of people now, or Kurt's over here with these guys. Um, I, I know for me, one of the, in particular, was uh, Estelle and uh, he were talking with the girls uh -huh. over on the other side of the room. <laughs> was over there talking with the boys, and Fee asks Estelle, so how far in you, have you and Joshua gone? I laughed so hard when that, when that came up, man. I'm telling you, that was great. That was the best. Oh, man. There was there was so many of those little moments, but that was a, a can't miss. 
I only fee would ask something like that. And it was wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it, it was great. It, it really was. And then, to, you know, seeing Joshua and Ash meeting up for the first time. Yeah. Children of the Hummel tragedy. Uh, I mean, that really hits you in the feels, you know, so some of it was, some of it were, were fun moments like with Fee and Estelle. Some were serious, like with Josh and Ash. Uh, I mean, yeah, the whole thing was great. It was a great way. It was a great payoff moment. I felt. Yeah. I, so many moments. It's impossible. And so many characters. I mean, the, the amount of firepower on that ship at that point in time, not, not just counting the heroes, but you know, you've got principal Le Guin and, and Wallace and, and then, and then big daddy Cassius finally makes his appearance and yeah. it's like, holy cow, so much firepower. <laughs> yeah, you barely even got to talk to him in the sky arc. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, he finally he finally shows up, he finally gets some lines and Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was. And but what okay. I I would say it wasn't fun, but it was definitely uh, an experience was after all that, the epic four boss battle at the end of it where you, you knew it was going to come to to get a little bit crazy once they found out you were there and they you know the enemy hits you hard and you got to break yeah. up did did you like that fight or was it kind of just frustrating i mean i ended up getting through it okay I, yeah. you know i was a little nervous going into it because you know i didn't want to wipe out halfway through one of the fights and then have to start all over again off your um, ap yeah you know, yeah, but I, uh, you know, it from a narrative perspective, I thought it was it was it was great. You know, having having uh, you know groups of guys on one side, girls on the other, fighting you know, <laughs> one group of antagonists over here, another group over there. It, it it was definitely really cool the way they played that out. It was, and it was a kind of that perfect ending and setting up. You know. You're, you're at such a high, high, and then they hit you with that. It's like, ah. Oh. I love, I do like it when they change things up and give you something unique in terms of a four fight like that back to back. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And one thing I wanted to point out, because I noticed this when I played, mm-hmm. and then going back through and, and watching um, other people play and listening to their opinions on it. So these battles were broken up for the most part, guys against girls or uh, guys on one side, girls on the other fight guys, Mm -hmm. fighting uh, guys, girls, fighting girls. Right. With the one exception of, uh, I forget who, I forget which one of your teams was fighting them. It was the fight against Maribel, Shirley and Campanella. Yes. Campanella was the one. Yeah. Campanella (laughs) makes a point of saying, Oh, all girls over here. Uh huh. (laughs) <laughs> there was an interview with Kondo about that scene. Oh. And thinking back, they never declare a gender for Campanella. Hmm. There might be something going on there. We all okay. assume he's a he's he's a boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He just he looks like one, but you know, the voice could be could go either way, really. Yes. So Kondo um, hmm. Kondo did not. He, he definitely made a point to keep his answer vague when answering that question. So there's definitely more to Campanella's backstory than you know we've been told so far. So it'll be interesting to see where they go in the future on that one. It, it certainly will be. I mean, your first inclination is okay. Is this like a situation in Persona Four? With the 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 detective Noito, or I believe it was was posing as a guy, but was actually a girl underneath it, or it could be somebody you know non gender specific, with without really knowing how to how to say that. I, it's definitely something to it. the 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 responses in the game would indicate there is more to him just appearing as a a, a boy who who even um, Estelle notices like you don't look a day older than we saw you. All those years ago. Um, right, that's the other thing. He, he, he or she doesn't age. Yes. Hmm. Uh, you know, definitely something to that, too. 
because I mean, you can tell. Obviously, you can tell Tita's grown up, uh, but <laughs> yeah. you can tell uh, Estelle and Joshua are a little taller. Yeah, Agate's a little taller. He's got, you know, he's got a few more scars. You know, you can tell that these guys are aging. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. No, Campanella. not at all. Campanella doesn't. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. If That'll... who knows? You know, with some of the weird things that happen in video games, he might not even be a person. He might be. Right. Uh, uh, you know, a, a spiritual entity. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, what we learn with you know McBurn further down the line, right. his whole yeah. whole spill going on. I don't. Well, we've we've got <laughs> we've got androids in there. I mean, there's no telling what he is or isn't, and I think the the door's completely open to whatever he is. I love him as a him or her, whatever you want to say, as a character. Because, yeah, he gets under Eunice's skin so easily and everybody else's. Yeah, he's a great antagonist, for sure. Yeah, I think he's going to get what's coming to him eventually. Yeah. Um, so that was such a great ending. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up that point. I'd almost uh, actually forgotten about that. So that leads into Act 3, which, if I recall, that was... I think that was the longest act. Do you feel like? Uh, um, yeah, it sure felt like it to me. Um, yeah. Because, you know, again, I, I I took my time going through here. So every time something major happened, mm-hmm. I would go back to all the towns. I would talk to all the people. Every time, you know, you're picking your destination on the map from, from your uh, ship, it would say new. Yes. Like there's something new here. I would go to every single one of them and check them all off. So right. I definitely think that I put the the most amount of time in in Act Three. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, in addition to the rivalries, you've just got everything else going on. The war's stepping up. Um, uh, the world's on fire, but yeah, there's there's time for side quests. Don't worry, we we got plenty of time for oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> even even right before you head to the final dungeon. I mean, oh my gosh. Everybody's going to war. Everybody's going to war. They're all about to blow each other up. But hang on, let me go finish this side. Yeah, at, at least they weren't like you know, I lost my cat type side missions at the end. They were at least meaningful, at least most of them. But yeah, I uh, felt like they were. <laughs> that there wasn't nothing too unnecessary. So we're getting into the rivalries and we're getting into some some nitty gritty stuff where you know that it's it's not going to end well for individuals. There has to be some dying going on. Um, did you find the rivalries to be difficult? Did you enjoy them? Um, I don't, I think they were fine. I didn't, I didn't love them per se, but it was pretty cool to see those story arcs go through. Yeah, it was, it was fun to see, uh, you know, the, the storylines with Rutger and Leanne come to a close. Uh, you know, I felt like the divine night battles, I personally didn't have an issue with them. I felt like, I could see why people would Mm -hmm. Um, because if you're not keeping up with the, you know, the courts that you can put in your uh, uh, divine knights. Yeah. I mean, you're just going to get, they're just going to wipe the floor with you. Oh yeah. So, you know, and I, I was playing along with, uh, with a guide, so I didn't have to waste time guessing where the weaknesses were. Yes. You know, if, if you're wasting turns, and, you know, missing and they're countering. And, I mean, yeah, they can really wipe the floor with you if you're not careful. So I could see why people would have trouble with them. I didn't. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I did feel that the way that they uh, laid out the battles was done very well. You got to fight, uh, you know, for, for Rutger, you got to fight Rutger, um, mm. you know, in human form. Before you guys went and, and then did the rivalry, so I thought that was done very well. Um, I really liked, you know, being able to do that because uh, it, it, it brought a little more uh, uh, background to each, to, you know, to both Rutger and Leanne because you got to see their their crafts and their moves and all that. Mm-hmm. I liked the way that played out. I I didn't like the actual fights. Um, the divine knight fights. I feel like they were all, and they, they've been setting these things up for a while. There's a lot of guarding, <laughs> a lot of defending and picking your, your moments. And yeah, if you did not keep up and get those high level 
courts. You'd be dead. If you attacked when you should have been guarding, you'd be dead. It did, I feel like they just took a long time because you had to go through that process. You, you have to understand that's the only way to win. It's going to take some time, and you cannot rush through them at yeah, all. <laughs> they were definitely some long fights. Um, <clears throat> one of the one of the strategies that I used um, to where I didn't have to guard so much mm-hmm. was I would you know when I saw um, you know that I mean there were some fights that had you know the main boss and then a couple of ads where you know they were just minor enemies mm-hmm. but when the when the main boss was going to come up with something powerful yeah if my support unit was going to get a turn I would usually swap in. Uh, one of the support units that could put up a barrier. Ah, so okay. You, so you could weather that attack uh, without taking any damage. So that that was one of the strategies that I used um, to avoid having a guard over and over. Uh, I, I think Milliam had one. Yeah. Tina might have had one. It might have been somebody else. Um, so that was one thing that I did. That's pretty smart. I wish you'd have told me that before I started playing. <laughs> yeah, I, I picked up on that one uh, back in, uh, I don't know, probably Cold Steel 2. I think it was Milliam who had the immunity yeah. uh, art that she could use uh, when you were fighting in you know battles with the Divine Knights. And uh, yeah, I've, been, I've been using her, either her or one of the other options um, ever since. That's pretty, pretty smart. So I, I I felt bad for Fee, of course, with Rigor and, you know, that the father figure that she never had. And then the, <laughs> he dies, she loses him, and then he comes back and then he dies again. It's like, good grief. I mean, poor, I mean, I say kid. She's not a kid anymore. Uh, I thought that was pretty rough, but it was interesting to see the dynamic between uh, just speaking on Ruger in particular, I mean, though, Sarah out there, their, you know, her paying respects and all that. And then what did you pick up on this? And, um, oh gosh, I forget her name, the weapons dealer for you guys and her mom uh, and how Django? she, yes. And there was one scene where, um, Leo and, I want to say Zeta Hort, but that's Kingdom Hearts. Um, oh, the other Zeno, <laughs> Zeno. They were at her mom's and having a scene, and there was some sort of minor implication that there might have been a connection with Ruger, possibly even being Jingo's dad. Did you pick up on that? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was kind of it was a deep draw, and it didn't. It, you'd have to go back and watch that, but there was there was some hints that that could have actually been the case because she didn't know her father. Obviously, her dad was not around, and you know the the guys were there. They'd done business together for a long time. She admired him and wanted to pay respects too. So it wasn't like it was like I felt bad because it was a long time ago, but definitely like that could have actually been the case, perhaps. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up on that. One of the things I did pick up on with Jang, Giango. Uh, was her dog Cerberus? Yes. <laughs> so she she runs the weapon shop on your ship late late mm. in the game, right? Yeah. So it, it was between one of the major events. I just I was talking to her, and she said she was going to throw Cerberus off the side of the ship and have him parachute down <laughs> and sell parachute. weapons on the She's going to have him sell weapons on the front line or or, or wherever it was. I, I was yes. He's gonna have the dog parachute off the ship. Yeah, of course. It was hilarious. Oh, what did Rain, Rain say? Like, that's not the weirdest thing I've ever heard, or something out of this kid. Like, oh yeah, that please don't do that. Don't. You know? That's hard for you. Oh man, Cerberus was great. I loved it when he was man the counter. He'd sell you weapons too. He was a good dog. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I felt bad to see that that one go and Fee had to deal with that all over again and. Um, but I still yeah, liked, then, liked it. Then, then you get to Leanne's uh, first scene. And, oh man! Oh man! That was rough. Didn't see that one coming. Neither. Yeah, he just pops up behind her. Uh, Rufus does, and uh, yeah, just runs her through. 
you didn't think you could like Rufus any less, and then he does that. Yeah, he he really becomes a a, a despicable uh, character. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think I feel started bad for you. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah, and that that was we'll talk about that at the at the end. But it's like Rufus started off as somebody who I didn't hate, and then he just got like worse with every single game, more cunning and more couldn't understand why he was doing what he was doing necessarily. And I'm sure neither could use this, but yeah, that you know what? <laughs> honestly, the, the Iron Bloods even now I still don't understand why they were doing what they were doing. I really no. don't get weak-minded you i mean i get that you're indebted to this guy they all have their different reasons yeah but how weak-minded do you got to be to do some of the things that they did you know to the very end they just, yeah they just fall they just blindly follow him do all these despicable acts it's just yeah at, at some point you're, you're supposed <laughs> to like claire you're supposed to like lector yeah but you, you can't know, i mean yeah, at the end, I just I just can't stand any of them. It's like you guys have a backbone and stand up for what you think is right, not just because yeah. this guy's telling, telling you what to do. The only one that did was Milliam, and you know she wasn't even human. So, <laughs> and she died for it. She did. She did. We'll, we'll and we'll talk about that at the end as well. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was that was rough seeing it, but I guess it kind of had to happen. I mean, she was going to die one way or another, being an immortal. So that's kind of kind of the way it goes, I guess. Um, so I was surprised that uh, both her and Rucker ended up ended up dying, but uh, the way Leanne went out was definitely a shocker. It was, and I, you know, I guess that kind of made was, it a little more interesting in terms of the fights ahead, but. Yeah, and it was really nice to see how everybody was paying their respects. Absolutely. Afterwards. I mean, you even saw the one scene where everybody from Ouroboros, whether they had left or uh, left the, the society or were still in, they all gathered together to pay their respect. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess it, they, they mentioned later the only one that didn't was uh, McBurn, I guess. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess he had some reasons for it. Yeah. Um, well, the uh, the last note that you've got here is, and I'll let you speak on it. The thoughts on the divergent laws. That's a <laughs> that's a good topic. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't really, I don't really have any thoughts on them because they haven't really given us anything to go off of yet. <laughs> it's just there's definitely more out there than what we've seen. Like there's, it's like, I mean, you saw some of it with McBurn, where there's definitely yeah. a, a different a plane of existence where he comes from, mm-hmm. you know, like off the coast of, of, uh, Erebonia on the Zemirian, uh, continent, like there's water out there, but where it goes, well, nobody knows. Cause just for some reason, nobody ever goes out that way. Yeah. Well, I think they even you know? mentioned that they, that they can't like, it doesn't right. matter how far they go. They, that they reach nothing or something like that. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, there's definitely more going on, and I mean, they just use the divergent laws to explain a few other things, particularly with uh, the Hexen clan. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'd be interested to see what what those are later on in the series, and then coming back coming back to replay some of these games to see if any more pieces start falling into place. That'll be a lot of fun. It 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 really will be, and I I don't think I was expecting anything along those lines with this game. Like getting into Cold Steel, I kind of thought it was going to be like okay, this kind of classical, you know, medieval not medieval setting, but you know, traditional JRPG setting, and just going through it, and then like each moment there's there's more technology, <laughs> there's more lore going on, and you know by the end of this, you're talking about parallel worlds. And even some sort of idea of, of, of like a either a dome or like a, a confined setting that this world is stuck in, almost like it's created, and yeah, like a snow, like a snow globe. yeah, like a snow globe, exactly. Um, and it's like there's some super big ideas going on on top of other big ideas to begin with, but the whole you know fact that the these divine night battles have been going on for countless times over and over again, that was just one history of the world. So it's like, what is and, going and on? 
and nobody remembers them because every time no. they fight, it gets wiped from the the minds of all the people, and divine knights just go back to sleep for a while. That's that's part of the divergent laws, which. No, obviously the Divine Knights are gone after the end of this game, mm-hmm. so we probably won't, won't get a reason as to why that happens, but yeah, it's just something else to, to ponder over until they, they, they explain a little more. Yeah, like you were saying, with different planes of existence and parallel worlds and all that stuff, <laughs> it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder if, if uh, Nomura interned at Falcom for a while. It does have some eerie uh, parallels to to all that kind of craziness that's going on there, or maybe it's just like a Japanese, yeah. I you know, idea that we don't quite understand as well. It could be, but yeah, I mean, every story he gets his hands on tends to go in goofy directions. He <laughs> <laughs> worked for Falcon for a little bit there in the in the last few years. Let's hope not, because I don't. I, this is going weird places anyway. I don't want to go that kind of weird places. I'm I'm good on that. Um, exactly. <laughs> so one of the I did not see. I knew there was at some point going to be, you know, a point where you'd have to choose, you know, a romantic interest, and I did not know it was going to be at uh, Michelin or Michelin. Uh, how do you say that? Uh, the amusement park, and so I thought that was a oh, really. Yeah, yeah, so I, I thought that was fantastically done, the way they, they built, I mean, a whole other chapter into this one setting and, you know, getting to, to hang out with people and all the fun activities. Uh, what <laughs> did you, you had a bunch of girls that you had interest in, obviously. You get on to little yeah. mini dates with them. Um, did you yeah, do the, yeah. uh, the best, the funniest yeah. part was was the drinking contest, though. Oh, the little I... side quest with Sarah and Sharon. Yeah, I did that one. <laughs> did you get, like, a bunch of them? I think I had, like, nine people total. I I don't remember. I, I know I ended up picking, because there was some bonus AP associated. Okay. So I whatever choices it were that resulted in the bonus AP. Uh, but, yeah, I think there were, I think they did, like, three rounds of three. Yes. If I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, I thought it was cool. You had a mix of of characters you use in your party, and then you had some, <laughs> thing like Adele from the from the yeah. uh, the garden club. club yeah, you could get in there. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was a fun little side quest. Really think the, it just felt like a little break from the intensity of the game. Yeah, this whole chapter was dedicated to, and I think that was really cool. It felt. Uh, you know, not only did the characters get to, to sit and unwind, but it kind of felt like you did too. You just sit back, enjoy some of the story. Uh, you know, almost nine complete games by this point. You know, we're, we're invested in these characters and getting to see mm-hmm. some of their arcs come to a close. It, just getting to see the way these narratives play out is a lot of fun. Particularly for me was seeing Oliver, Oliver and Shara get engaged. That was oh, awesome. My. That was the best moment. Like I thought it might happen, but when it finally did, I was like, "Yes, it's happening!" Finally, he's settling down. The, the debaucherous prince has found his wife. Uh. <laughs> I, I thought that was great. I, the only I only wish we could we could have used Shara in our party a little bit. Oh man, that was the only that was probably the only one I was sad not to be able to use at some point in time. Yeah. I mean, I never put Sharon in my party or Duvali or any of those guys. I, I would have liked to have gotten to play with Sharon. Yeah, yeah, because she was tons of fun to play with there in Sky. So I think she would have been, yeah. you know, start whipping people around. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, that would have been that would have been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but yeah, you, you said it right. Just a, a breather for a minute because these games are so intense. You got so much going on just to take a mental break and have some fun. Um so the big question is, of course, who did you choose? Had, did you stick faithful throughout the, the entire series with your romantic interest? Yeah, I, uh, I, I picked Fee in the end. Um, okay. she's, you know, she, she has, I, I felt like out of all the, the characters, she had the best um, background story. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my opinion, I had the most fun with her in battle. Um, so, yeah, I picked her at the end. Um, I, what I felt was really cool going forward, you know, f- uh, fr- from the point that you picked 
whoever it is you pick throughout mm-hmm. the end of the game. There's there's changes in dialogue where, uh, you know, whoever you pick, yes, you know, you're reacting to that. Finally, um, I mean, you know, I I know you didn't pick Fee, so you you know you didn't see these, but there was one in the final dungeon where Green is kind of freaking out about having to tell Zeno and Leo that he's dating their sister. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, so it was, it was really cool. I, I wish you could have gotten to go farther in the game, having your romantic choice locked in, yeah. just to see it play out even more than it did. I thought it was a really nice touch. That's awesome. Yeah, there wasn't any, you know, because of course I picked best girl, Emma, and we're not going to hold fee against you. That's okay. You're, you can make your own <laughs> your own choices. But uh, there was a handful of little nods of, of scene, but the, I don't think there was any special scene per se like that. That's that's pretty cool that they gave that to you. Yeah, like I said, I thought it was a nice touch. I uh, I, I was watching one of the videos from your playthroughs, um, particularly the ending, uh, where you see Reen walking out of his dorm room, and there's a uh-huh. for you it was Reen and Emma. Yeah. For me, for me it was Reen and Fee. That's cool. So, you know, that I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and the text, I guess, is going to be from, was from Fee for you, so. Yeah. It, I will say that I think, I think it's to the series' overall detriment, though, to have a canon romance. Yes, in, that, in this instance, yes. Because moving forward, I mean, are they going to just assume that it's Reen and Elisa moving forward? Are they just not going to have anybody for Reen? Does not everybody pick Elisa? Uh, you know, who would pick her? I mean, you, know I don't know. Pushing, you know the game was pushing you to pick her. Yeah. Which which is fine. I mean, they, they probably, they, you know, they need uh, assumed lead female. Um, I actually read in one of the interviews with, I don't know if it was Nintendo or one of the other guys, but Elisa was originally going to be the protagonist. The cold really Steel. that's interesting or before they decided to to make the protagonist a male character um they were very different but, yeah uh, but i thought i thought that um you know estelle and joshua the, the, the their their romantic arc across the games has been a, a great story mm-hmm. to watch it play out and you're just not going to get that with Reed. No, and, you can't. You know, if, if, they, if they decide to do something like that with Reen and Elisa because she is the assumed female choice, then there's like you and me who pick someone else. They're going to be like, oh, well, that kind of stinks, you know? It is. And it, if I don't know if you noticed this at the very end during the normal ending. Elisa has the strongest reaction, and, like, Emma consoles her. It It, it almost felt like they were you know, making you think that that was the choice again, uh, that the game yeah. has done that, you know, the series has done that many times where it assumes that it's Elisa, even though I don't know anybody who's actually maybe one person that actually picked her. I think most people actually go a different direction. And you have, especially in this one, you have many different directions. Was there anybody else that you were like, maybe oh, the harem, harem keep continues to grow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, uh, you could even go the princess route. Like I was uh, almost tempted to go that way just to see how it would turn out. I think that would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, I like most of the female characters. I, you know, so they, they all kind of intrigued me a little to see, you know, Oh, okay. I wish I could see what happens here. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, so, you know, Laura would have been my second option. Mm -hmm. Um, I like, I always liked Alfin. I don't have anything against Elisa. I just didn't feel she was as interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't like to use her in battle because I, I don't no. think she's particularly good. Um, you know, so I, I was never really hot for teacher. So <laughs> I wasn't going to pick Sarah. That know. would have been a good choice, I think. I think it would have been interesting. You know, I mean, I did, I did, uh, save and reload a few times to pop some some trophies so i did get to okay. see the romance scene play out for a lot of the characters um but you know once you get past there just to see all the little tweaks that they make to the dialogue obviously i only got to see that with fee 
Mm-hmm. She's the one that I picked, um, you know, for the end game scenes. But and the only one, the only female character I really don't like is music. Ah, don't break my heart like that. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I know she's, she's just too, she's a little a lot too forward. Like with her adult teacher. She is. And I was going to say, the only one I don't like is Elise. So, but that's a, that's a different reason for that. Yeah. Yeah, Can't, can't be doing that with your sister. That's just, I don't, I know they're not blood related. That's fine, but gross. Estelle and Joshua did it. So different. It worked. It was different though. That was not, they weren't, they were was much it, uh, older. They were much older when Joshua showed up. I don't know. I don't think they were that much older. Well, but they weren't raised as okay. Rain and Elise were under the impression they were blood, blood, blood brother and sister. That was never the case with Joshua and Estelle. They knew that they weren't related. That's true. So. That okay, that's how I'm justifying it. Okay, it's still there are still both weird things. Of course, I understand that. But oh, you know what? I, I guess they've got a, a different take on, on what's okay and what's not okay over in Japan. I don't know. They that has been very well noted that the brother sister thing has been a Japan oddity for a, a while. Guideline. More <laughs> of a guideline than a law. <laughs> no, it is it is very odd to to say the least. I you, you mentioned Laura, who was the one that surprised me the most. You know, you're in the cave and she goes right out there and, and smooches you. And she was by far like you know, other than Muse, like the only one that really did that. Yeah, I I remember that scene and I remember thinking, wow, you know, because all the, the the bonding events with the girls um, obviously played out a little differently, a little more seriously. And uh, then some others. And yeah, she was the only one who went right up there and planted one on them, at least out of the scenes <laughs> that I saw. I didn't get to see yeah. every one of them. Um, but yeah, she was. I, I mean, I thought it was a great scene. She, you know, I, I was really touched by the, the uh, you know, narrative of the character, mm-hmm. and what she was going through at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything with her father and all that. So, you know, yeah, she, she definitely went right after him. Yeah, she she's didn't one hold of the anything back. She's one of the few. She's one of the few um, whose trophy I did not get to watch the scene for um, at the end. So when okay. I play the game through a second time, I'll I'll definitely be looking forward to seeing those scenes. Yeah, there was there was some definitely interesting options, and I thought that they handled that pretty well. And it, it thankfully they respected your choice this time and did show you a couple of things afterwards because I. I know it would have been very difficult to do that. Like, okay, you know, I know you picked Fee and I picked Emma in part one, and that was my choice in every game. Like, but it kind of felt like you were starting over <laughs> every game as well, that they didn't care yeah. what your choices were. Yeah, there were definitely some, uh, some, some areas where it felt like you were starting from scratch, especially between Cold Steel 2 and Cold Steel 3. Because uh, at the end of Cold Steel 2, I mean, you're – if you pick Elisa, you guys are practically a married couple. <laughs> yes. So three, it's like, hey, nice to meet you. You know? <laughs> Who are you again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Didn't I see you once before? You know? That kind of thing. Um, I mean, you, you, there were some dialogue changes between Cold Steel 1 and 2 that carried over if you transferred your save data. Yeah. Um, I... I, I I don't remember if there were between three and four or not. Um, but yeah, I, th- and that's one of the things, like I said, where I think having the harem aspect plays to the series' overall detriment. Like, it would be one thing if it was just these four games and the story was done. Hmm. You know it's not done. You know you're going to see these characters again. So, you know, when, when we get to play Hajimari for the first time, for me, Reen and Fee aren't probably aren't going to be a couple anymore. Probably not. No, so I mean, again, I think a canon romance would have worked better. Mm. But it is what it is. I mean, I still enjoy playing. Yeah, I mean, it's such a minor part of the overall experience. I don't think like it's you know in Persona, it's it's importance, but I think they were both kind of similar. Like they're there, 
but uh, it's not going to make that big of a difference. Just it's a personal thing. That's really um, that's yeah. ending them. I mean, I, I I definitely agree with you, but even still, with Persona, I mean, when you get to the end of a game, that's it. It's over. Yep. <laughs> so, you, know, you can put the game away thinking, yeah, that was who I picked at the end of the game, and that's what happened. Yeah. In, in the Trail series, it's not going to be like that. No, not at all. The only thing I liked with Persona is if you maxed them out, you got that final form of their Persona, and it made them a lot stronger in battle, and your bonds made you stronger. Uh, different abilities whereas it was purely kind of on the surface level for for trails and that well not not to rub salt in the wound but you actually Uh-oh. got to strengthen and evolve the personas eat one more time if you made it to the final semester oh my in royal <laughs> i had that wound had finally closed and you just rip it back open <laughs> yep. oh my very public love and failings of the third semester one of these years i'll put another 140 hours into it and finally get it but not today um yeah, I, I, I remember i played persona 5 royal for the first time after i finished cold steel 4 I remember hearing you talk about how you missed out on the final semester. <laughs> and again, I was using a walkthrough. So I knew that you had to max out certain confidants in order to get it. Yeah. So I knew that I knew that going in. So I knew I wouldn't miss it. But I'm, I'm, I'm just reading like the, the prompts and, you know, the, cause there's a lot of tutorials and stuff in, in persona five Royal. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay, I know you got to max out the counselor, and they tell you like three times to do that. <laughs> they did. I just ignored it. It's okay. Really fun character to be spending your time. He's not. So I, I can definitely see why you missed it. Yeah, they, they tell you a few times in order. Hey, you know, you got to talk to this guy before November eighteenth or whatever it is. And, yeah, I would not, and you know, I just assumed it was he's leaving, so you'll want to talk to him before he leaves if you care about him. Not, you need to talk to him because he's leaving because you need that for the third semester. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna lock you out of the final part of the game if you don't. Do you had to do uh, a little bit with um, Agechi too, right? Was that a part of it? Uh, I, I don't think you had to max out his rank in order not to get max. to the third yeah. Um. I don't. I get... think there were solutions to his persona that you couldn't access if you didn't if you didn't uh, proceed as far as the game would allow. I think okay. it, it would think it was only the counselor that locked out the final semester. Yeah, that was it. That did it. <laughs> um, Jake, I want to do something here, and uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I think we're actually. We're going a little bit long on this, and I think we're having a fun discussion. So what I want to do here is actually we're going to wrap up this episode because we're over we're over an hour right now, and then we'll come back with part two of this next week talking about the finale and all the different other lores. I think we're going to have a, an entire podcast just talking about that. Although is that cool? Is that cool with you? You come back for the next one? Yeah, sounds good. All right. So why don't you tell the people uh, what they need to do? And we'll wrap up this. Right, yeah, well, hey, until next week, get back out there and level up.